1: So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Monday. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm great. Starting another good week. You know, we, we do the big a lot with, the, with
0: these shows, Phil, but uh, every now and then you've got to go small, and uh, that's what we're going to do tonight.
1: That's right. There's plenty of room at the bottom, yeah. uh, one might say, and uh, th- there's uh, there, there there's a, there's a lot to be said about uh, the world of the small, in particular, the world of nanotechnology. I called this show the "comeback" of nanotech, and we'll get into this a little bit. And in 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 one sense, nanotechnology needs to make no comeback because people mean different things when they use the term, and that's that's part of our part of our saga here this evening, but. Significant progress is being made around atomically precise manufacturing, which is the term K. Eric Drexler now uses in place of the term he used to use, nanotechnology. And that is significant because a, a good deal of everything we're planning for the future, everything that we see coming around post-scarcity, around space travel around so many areas, probably around artificial intelligence, just in terms of being able to create the computing infrastructure that will support it, and certainly around life extension and and a, a whole new form of medicine, all depends on nanotechnology, all depends on uh, molecularly precise or atomically precise manufacturing. So we've got this story, great story, over on Singularity Archive, written by Neil, thanks for... Uh, Putting out a great piece there, Neil. Eric Drexler's vision of nanotechnology is making a comeback. And this is a good piece. Follow the link. Read up on this. Cover some of the ground I covered a while back in a piece I wrote for the Freeman called The Reluctant Visionary, which was actually a review of Drexler's book, Radical Abundance. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that also in just a minute. But a great book, piece, by the way. That's, how long has that book been out? It's been a little while. I about have four or five years now, I think, at this point. Yeah. Still and, timely, and it's still relevant. Still time- yeah. yeah, it's a great book. Highly recommended. It. Check it out if you haven't read it, and uh, I'll link. I'll link my piece too. You know, so if, if you want to read a really good review of it, by the way. But um, absolutely. <laughs> but um, Neil begins with talking about one of the kind of dramatic turning points in the history of atomically precise manufacturing, which is the big debate between Eric Drexler. And uh, what was his name? I'm sorry. I, it's Smalley. Just, uh, Richard Smalley. I want to say yeah, Stuart it's Smalley. The best I name I know, ever for from... somebody uh, that's talk about,
0: you know, right? <laughs> it's,
1: Yeah, It's perfect for the man who discovered Buckyballs and got a Nobel Prize in his own right, right. For, for doing that, that his name would be Professor Richard Smalley. For some reason, the name that was, that was coming was Stuart Smalley. And, dug on it, I didn't think that was the correct name. <laughs> In, anyway, <laughs> I'm good enough you're, you're, not to you're do good that. Enough.
0: Yeah, you're good enough not to do <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not to go there. Um, so Richard Smalley and Eric Drexler, I should say the late Richard Smalley and Eric Drexler, about a decade and a half now ago, debated first uh, in Scientific American, and then I think it was in Chemical and Engineering News, about Drexler's vision for nanotech. And Smalley was very much opposed to... Drexler's ideas of atomically precise manufacturing. A a lot of it came down to this idea of uh, what Smalley calls "fat fingers." He said that Drexler's whole concept requires on you somehow having these pincers or fingers or tweezers or something that that can up and you know move molecules around. And Drexler's answer to that was, "That's not correct. I don't describe that. I've never described that. People have." You know, journalists and so forth have taken my ideas and gone with language that sounds like that, but that's 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 never been part of the never been part of the vision. And in fact, this piece over on Singularity Archive even uh, takes some of the more I'm going to say over the top rhetoric from one of Smalley's pieces. I'm going to read this. Smalley wrote, you and people around you have scared our children. I don't expect you to stop, but I hope others in the chemical community will join with me in turning on the light and showing our children that while our future in the real world will be challenging and there are real risks, there will be no such monster as the self-replicating mechanical nanobot of your dreams. And, of course, um, you know, Drexler, his whole deal has been about how you prevent that and, and right. what the safe systems are, and, and how you keep something like that from occurring, not scaring people of it, but but rather raising it as a possibility to to be avoided. In, in any case, it, it's, a, it's a great synopsis of the of the whole drama, and it ends with, basically. In in the op- in the view of this author, Smalley coming out on top, right? Uh, the world pretty well, much. Well, and, bought- and and to be fair, I kind of think that for most people, or most
0: scientists uh, came down on the side of Smalley, and and, um, and and really, that's and that's why we're you know the, we're calling the show tonight the comeback of nanotech because <laughs> it was basically dead and buried, or at least. Publicly, right? I
1: mean, the well, that vision, that, images, that vision. I mean, that vision hit, seemed to be gone. The, the point is, yep. the, the point that Neil makes here is that Smalley had other kinds of work he wanted to get funded, other kinds, or, uh, uh, let's forget funding, other kinds of work he wanted to promote that he saw as legitimate, that can also be called nanotechnology, and he wanted to he wanted to free the term from some of these earlier, more. Imaginative ideas about nanotechnology. I think to, to be as fair as I can to Smalley's point of view, that's what that's what he was trying to do. Right. And to read again shortly from the article, he says, by the time President Bush signed the 21st Century Nanotechnology Research and Development Act into law in 2003, Smalley and company had succeeded stripping all funding for anything remotely resembling atomically precise manufacturing research. Not surprisingly, Drexler wasn't invited to the signing of the bill at the White House. So we've had nanotechnology, right? Yeah. We've had kind of the, the limited nanotech of Smalley, not the general nanotech of Drexler for, for all these years. And tremendous progress has been made so in some ways when we talk about the the comeback that's that's a a little bit silly because there's been big progress made in the the narrower forms of ai it's just like we were talking about you know for uh not ai for nanotech but it's just like with ai and it's just like we were talking about with 3d printers right there's the there's there's the general application which, which which is what Sort of gets everyone interested in something in the first place, and then there's the narrow application, which seems to be a phase that these technologies go through. Sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, before you come back to the general idea. Right. And I think what we may be seeing here is the beginning of coming back to the general idea. And one of the pieces that uh, important pieces of news that Neil points out in his essay is the 2016. Nobel Prize for Chemistry, Stephen. I don't think we've discussed this on this show, have we? I don't believe but, so. And which is remarkable because it, we both,
0: you know, knew about it when it happened. We both recognized it as awesome or, or just huge news. And then we just didn't talk about it. So, hey, <laughs> for whatever late, reason. Better late than na- never. Well, I mean, it's, hey, the future's happening
1: all the time. So, you know, that's we can, right. We, can, we, can, we try to stay on top there of must it. Have been a, there must have been an abundance of cures for cancer those, the, 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 that <laughs> exactly. weekend. We just, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. it got backburnered and we never came back to it. But hey, right. this was huge. Okay, so three chemists got the Nobel Prize for chemistry for making molecular machines. Uh, right. That's that's what that that that's the prize. I mean, this is the basis for atomically precise manufacturing. Well, and, and and fat fingers was not a problem, was it?
0: Because it's never it was never about that. And that's uh, right. And it, you know, and if put it this way, if uh, you need a proof of concept, you don't have to go any further than life, because life is you know <laughs> atomically precise manufacturing. We, you know all the way down to the, uh, the our DNA and uh, and and yet, and yet our our bodies seem to work just fine <laughs> maybe they could work a little better but uh, they work they work pretty good and uh, and and so we we know that uh, that this can work and the question is now what can we do with atomic precise manufacturing that the nature has not and uh, so here we go we got a uh, 2016 Nobel
1: Prize in Chemistry. That's that's right, and these these three scientists you, you, they, they all get they all get equal credit in right. the prize have been working on this for a long time. Okay, in this, fact, this didn't happen overnight. This is it, you know they were it did not, and on. and it's a convergence of several different areas of research, seemingly probably at one point totally disparate. Areas of research that have come together in this wonderful way but but it goes it goes all the way back to work that uh, one of the scientists, Dr. Savage, was working on back in one thousand nine hundred and eighty three okay so some of the some of the preliminary work that led to this you know back in the earliest days of people even talking or thinking about nanotechnology and then there 's Dr. Stoddart who uh, did some breakthrough work in one thousand nine hundred and ninety one that has contributed and finally. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Who's the third one? Dr. Feringa in 1999 made a major contribution. But even then, you know, it takes the Nobel Prize a while to look at something and go, "Oh, you know what? This all adds up to <laughs> these these folks need to get a uh, to to get a Nobel Prize." Now, we did talk about the motor. Um, I, I, actually, 1999 was before our time as a uh, podcast or even a blog, but we have talked about this motor before. Right. Um, this is just its recognition now, with uh, with the Nobel Prize. And in fact, one of these three, if not more of them, have have spoken at Foresight Institute events. Okay, so the connection to the original Drexlerian model of nanotechnology is is here and it's real. Okay, this is you know one of these guys won the Feynman Prize. I'm not sure which which one of the three, and I don't have it in front of me. But but this is very much the reemergence. Of Drexler's vision, and he must have been very pleased when the announcement was made. I'm sure he was very pleased when the announcement was made that th- these guys had won the Nobel Prize. It's a it's a it's a real confirmation of his work. But you don't see him out uh, making a making a big deal about it. In fact, one of the things I noticed this New York Times story that we've linked here talks about nanotechnology and talks about you know what an interesting field it is and how it's come along, and it. Traces nanotech all the way back to Richard Feynman, but it yep. never mentions Drexler. Yep. So that that is, you know, that is this debate, it kind of kind of its I don't know its wake right its legacy, yep. that uh, the New York Times writes an article on this and Drexler's name doesn't get mentioned. Yeah. which I think is really unfortunate it is it is, and you know
0: Smalley was you know he was a great scientist and uh and uh deserved his props as well, but yeah he just uh, you know he buried the vision for a long time with uh, and and you know whatever his motives were he it, it that's what happened and uh that's just too bad and
1: uh well you know, I, you know it's it seems like it's too bad for us, but I'll tell you what i think Eric Drexler is probably fine with it he's fine with the fact that that he his name doesn 't get brought up and fine with the fact that that no one 's talking about that uh, that debate anymore right he 's he's, he's, he's fine with not getting any uh, recognition right now as long as it keeps that debate out of the uh, out of the you know off the front burner i guess um, i 'm going to read a little section from his book. This is this is a, a little section from Radical Abundance. And I read this before, actually, when we talked about my review of this book. But this is just such an interesting thing, and it's so, so Eric Drexler. He says, There's something that I feel I must say to some of my readers, and I hope that they will understand a somewhat counterintuitive message and take it to heart. If you find these ideas about prospective technologies compelling, convincing, and exciting... If you imagine vistas far beyond any I've outlined or see solutions to urgent global problems and feel the urge to share the full measure of your excitement, then please lie down and wait until the urge passes. (laughs) In the world as it is, this kind of excitement triggers a negative response, and for reasons that usually make sense... Almost all grand ideas proclaimed by excited proponents turn out to be wrong and are generally discounted without consideration. If you want to make a positive difference, please help to keep fundamentals first, help to correct mistaken ideas, and join the conversation without shouting. So I've... Guessing that Drexler would be perfectly happy with everything we're talking about tonight, except for the fact that we're calling this the comeback of nanotechnology, right? <laughs> Probably
0: so. <laughs> and
1: uh, to the extent that
0: we've ever been part of
1: the problem, overhyping,
0: which you know, hey, let's face it, Phil, we we love this stuff, right? We, uh, you know, the, you know, it, we like the exciting parts of this. Dude, situation. we can't help it. Okay, yeah, it's just I mean, kind of what we do. This, we slobber yeah. all over it sometimes, yeah, but you know, true. we try to get it right. You know, and try to get uh, the stories correct and uh, not overhype. And uh, we we'll, we'll, sometimes, if we if we cross into that territory, we try to pull back afterwards. But uh, anyway. Yeah, well, I,
1: I think it. I think it is important to um, honor what he's saying here, which is that yeah. this, this is happening. He he then goes on in the book and talks about everywhere that they're closing in on atomically precise manufacturing, all the all the required technologies, all the supporting technologies, and how in the very near future we're going to see it happening. And here now we see, I think, some very nice confirmation of that with the with the Nobel Prize. But as uh, Neil points out in his story on Singularity Archive, some other really solid confirmation of it as well. For example, this um, story, actually, I guess this was over on Foresight, New Funding Opportunity from the U.S. Department of Energy. This is also referenced in Neil's story. But... You read over this, and they use the term right, atomically precise manufacturing. The Department of Energy has decided this is a technology that they want to seriously investigate. And they're not calling it nanotech, right? So they're not talking about stain-resistant pants or you know nanoparticles or any of the rest of that stuff. They're they're talking about taking a machine such as the machine that these three Nobel Prize winners created and doing things with it. Right. And this is. You know, I think, as far as I know, the first time I've seen that idea actually funded by the U.S. government. I could be wrong, but have you seen anything like that? I suspect you're wrong, Bill, but okay. uh,
0: yeah. this may be the first time we've ever mentioned it on the show. Um, it just seems like... Uh, They've been involved in these things before, you know, and, and maybe even covertly. I mean, DARPA or something, you know, some DART project. But um, you know, this, you know, out in the open where we've we've heard about it and reported it. I'm, this is the first time. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. Like a published thing, like a request yeah. for proposal, where they're saying, "Hey, we got some yeah. money that we want to put into atomically precise manufacturing." That seems new to me. Yeah. That that. <laughs> and so we've reached a threshold of credibility
0: at this point, and. Uh, and that's, and I think that's a good thing. And you know, are there some things about the, you know, uh, uh, you know, this sort of atomically precise manufacturing that could be scary or it could be misused? You bet. But what's the best way to build a defense uh, is to get ahead of that, right? And uh, exactly, understand yeah. it better than the bad guys, perhaps. So that's what that's what we
1: have to do. And the other one that I linked to in reference to this is this uh, USDA announces $4.6 million for nanotechnology research. This was just um, last week. And, (laughs) you know, that's a not inconsiderable amount of money that the USDA is putting into this. And they talk about it in terms of they're, they're interested in medicine, electronics, energy, and biotechnology, and they see nanotechnology as having huge potential to enhance the agricultural sector. Now, of course, we know from our knowledge of overhyped technologies, right, from our our scenarios that we like to talk about, that nanotechnology ultimately has the potential to completely replace the agricultural (laughs) sector, right? I mean, to, uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, and
0: and we're we're talking about, you know... uh, well uh, are we talking about uh, uh that uh, you know producing food within a uh, within a laboratory kind
1: of thing no. that's right, yeah, I mean yeah. well, when you get the molecular assembler right, you can pretty much produce any agricultural <laughs> product that you need I guess um, so. yeah, you can. yeah with, without uh, without having the the crops or the fields but even uh, if you look at something less Way out there sounding that, yeah. than the than the full molecular assembler, if you look at Technologies that we've talked quite a bit about, around vertical farming, urban farming, that kind of thing. Right. Right now, those are all being talked about with fairly conventional technologies, but nanotechnology will give them a huge boost. You know, even before we're talking vat meat or, or or molecular assembler uh, assembly or any of that kind of stuff. And, and in fact, probably it'll be materials science technologies that push us over the edge that make urban farming, vertical farming the preferred choice right at some right. point it'll become it'll become cheaper because you'll you'll yield so much more product and it'll just be you know putting in no, so much no, less energy
0: no pesticides or herbicides needed because you're all indoors you know I mean, right um yeah it's uh, there's there's lots to be said for that sort of uh that sort of way of doing things but uh you know it's gonna it, it it's uh, you know there's some enabling technologies that, uh, that still need to uh to come along and yeah this will
1: be part of the picture I think so. I think so. Anyway, it's it's interesting to see the government putting money into this, saying, "Hey, we want to try out atomically precise manufacturing." Hey, we see big potential in agriculture, and this is just you know stories from the last couple of days that I've found. So that indicates there's probably a lot going on here. I think one of the things we're going to look for, and this will be a major major turning point towards atomically precise manufacturing will be when we see an actual molecular machine startup, right? When when somebody goes into this business, I think that's going to be a, a real difference maker. And to date, I can't think of anyone actually claiming to be in that space. I could be wrong. Set me straight. Well, you
0: know, know uh, some real metamaterial kind of stuff, some real out there uh, material science. You know, if, when you have the ability to put Put atoms exactly where you want to and arrange and make things that just wouldn't be found in nature any other way. You can do some really bizarre things. And, you know, we're talking about things like superconductors or, you know, uh, long strings of carbon nanotubes, you know, things like that you could uh, you could put together in ways that wouldn't be, uh, you know, would be difficult, if not impossible, to do outside of uh, atomically precise manufacturing. So, yeah, all kinds of all kinds of uh, uh, possibilities. And uh, although,
1: again, I, I don't think to date has anyone said they're in that space. Right? There, there's no. I businesses. don't think
0: so. Not that yeah. I've read, and I, we try to, we try to keep up with that. And I don't. I don't, yeah. think, any, I don't think any public company is, you know, said that that's the business that they're in. Now they, you know, there's lots of companies that uh, probably have some R&D uh, in, the, in these areas, but that's not... Because I can imagine that
1: commercial applications of this kind of technology ultimately will be one of the big drivers not only behind vertical farming we were just talking about, but also something like, for example, the development of space, right? We've talked about asteroid mining and that kind of thing. Right, right. Think, think how improved... Models for doing that kind of stuff will be as this technology comes on board. Yeah, I, I <laughs> think it's it really is an enabling.
0: It's it's something you have to have. It's a prerequisite, I think, to colonizing the solar system. You got to be able to on site take the you know take the materials that you're finding, like in the asteroid belt or whatever, and turning it into what you want it to be. And, right. Uh, you know whether that be in, in the asteroid belt or on the moon or on Mars or wherever, you have to be able to do that and do it well and uh yeah and until we until we get that down well i think uh, we're it'll it'll be a bit of a struggle
1: uh colonizing the solar system but uh, you know it's interesting because i think about elon musk and his big plans for the solar system yeah although all of those plans definitely require the development of new technologies there's definitely new things that have to be invented in order in order for us to move ahead with that i think the technologies described the new technologies described Pretty much are based on material science as it exists right now, correct? Right? Uh, you know, Elon Musk has not inserted any, and then a nanotechnology miracle happens, and we do this into yeah. his. Yeah, he, that's not part of
0: his uh, part of his uh, uh, presentation anyway. Now I suspect in his thinking that he's hopeful that uh, you know that his his largest dreams get eclipsed by something like this, right? That it's yeah, right, uh, well enabled.
1: Real, yeah, you know, I mean <laughs> about something
0: like that. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's I, I, I used the
1: wrong word. He wants to yeah. be riding this horse, right?
0: He doesn't. want yeah, to be exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the, the thing is, he's right now talking about doing all this stuff. What we will soon call, I hope, or one day at least, call the hard way, right? Yeah. With, with without these kinds of advances having been made, but you can see why he would he would want. To, I mean, we talked on Friday about the the Hyperloop right yeah this, this, is a, this is a technology that begs for atomically precise manufacturing, right. I mean right. You, you, you can just imagine how much better we would be at putting something like this in place if we had that kind of infrastructure supporting it. So in, in some ways, um, I think that we'll look back on Musk's original ideas and original implementations of things and say, this guy was almost kind of steampunk right yeah he was, he, he he was doing it the
0: all- old fashioned way uh but his dreams were you know he's got he's got twenty first century dreams uh but to some extent he's he's he has begun with twentieth century tech right yeah exactly and, yeah. and uh but you know i i suspect that uh yeah. Is it, you know these things will be enabled by uh, what's to come here. And uh, hey, what do you, you want to put a time frame on it, Phil? We we uh, we like to speculate here. I mean, uh, what what uh, when does when does this uh, you know when's the knee in the curve? When do, when do we start actually hearing about businesses? You know, we are in this business where we're doing atomically precise manufacturing to produce materials. Let's say.
1: Yeah, that, to produce uh, materials or to produce components that others can then use to make machines out of or something like that. It's right. a it's a really interesting question, and I don't I don't immediately have an answer. I want to say five ten years, right? That that we're we're within we're within a five ten year window of that. Let's call it five. I feel like okay. it's five. All right. Um, and, I'm going to be a little more optimistic. I'm going to say uh, why
0: don't I say three? Why don't I say 2020? Okay. Uh, that sounds big, like the right year for year. that to happen, frankly. Yeah, yeah that's right. A nice round,
1: <laughs> <laughs> futuristic-sounding
0: year. Even today in
1: 2017, doesn't 2020 still sound kind of futuristic? Hey, yeah, it, Ooh, does. 2020. it really does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we passed 2001, I go, wow, we well, are living in the future. How are, yeah, if, how if how anything big is going to happen, it ought to happen in, ought to happen in 2020. But yeah. I think there's a, there's an interesting interesting turning point that has to occur there. And we were talking about this around quantum computing a couple of weeks ago where we've suddenly got all these folks in the quantum computing business and it's like well is the technology really there yet no but it's coming along and one of the things that maybe is going to boost it along is the fact that IBM and Microsoft and Google and others now say they're in that business right that that's one of the things that, that that pushes that along and I think that is going to be tremendously impactful for what happens next with atomically precise manufacturing when someone or, or more, more than one entity, simultaneously declare credibly, right, that they are in that business. Yeah, uh, The whole quiet period is over at that point. I'm sorry, Drexler, but, uh, you know, at that uh, <laughs> right at that point the hype cycle will be back <laughs>
0: yeah and it'll be the job of the marketing department of those companies to make sure <laughs> that right.
1: cycle is you Hopefully. know re-enter the marketing people and then the hype the hype starts back up but but by then he will have been thoroughly vindicated so yeah. don't don't come don't come crying to him if uh if some of the you know, scenarios sound crazy to you at that point because it won't be it won't be coming from Eric Drexler and it won't be coming from the Foresight Institute. It'll be coming from all these marketing departments, right? It'll be coming from from the business <laughs> exactly, sector, Exactly. which would be that'll be a nice that'll be a nice corner to turn. We've seen that happen in in other areas. We've seen it happen around computing, around life extension, and you know, it's uh, nanotech almost is kind of the final frontier. You know,
0: three D printing. Uh, it was you know it it looked like it was it was going to be a big nothing for a while and then yeah. you know it's, and and i think that's turning the corner also so there's yeah, just so many uh so many different technologies that they have to develop you know we hear about it there's some initial hype and then nothing happens and we go well that was nothing and then you know 10 15 years later it just you know out of nowhere it seems well it wasn't out of nowhere
1: it, people were working on it and just quietly for a long That's right. Quietly working on it, quietly making progress. The the story of the Nobel Prize, I think, tells it all, right? Decades. Yeah. Each each con- contribution occurred essentially in a different decade, over three decades. And even then, it took uh, additional time before, before the contribution was recognized. But I think that's how it happens. You know, you get these slow steps and then you have faster steps and then you have much faster steps. And then, as you're always pointing out, Stephen, things begin to converge, right? Yep. So, uh, nanotechnology and quantum computing start to impact each other, right? It's so, just you know. an, an impossible thing to predict
0: what happens when these, these developments, you know, are, are you know, uh, who was it, uh, 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 Matthew Ridley says, when these ideas have sex with each other, you That's right, when they start all. having
1: sex. You They're never can
0: tell what kind of baby ideas
1: uh, will result. <laughs> Are likely uh, to be some precocious little little darlings. That's that's right. right. And you just can't predict. And and uh, I think I, I will predict this. War. I think twenty twenty well, is going to be a very interesting year. And I say this because the last few years each have been very interesting. But <laughs> that's right. It's, uh,
0: that's you know that's the uh, news. That's not really news anymore. But it's I, it's always
1: interesting. And so a lot of this stuff is is going to be coming together. So there it is. That's the comeback of nanotechnology. We're not going to make too big a noise about it but we're saying watch this space and uh, see what happens over the next few years i think it's going to be some really big stuff awesome
0: awesome well we'll be back on wednesday and friday with new shows right and we got uh, new
1: shows coming up this week absolutely Stephen. great talking with you it's great being with you all and we look forward to being with you all again on wednesday until next time live to see it